0: Don't look back because the market is closed. Good Thursday afternoon, everyone. Kip Harridge here with the Daily Bureau Investing Podcast. Hope everybody had a really good day today. All-time highs today again in SP 500 and NASDAQ. A little bit of weakness elsewhere. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, but what an interesting day for a lot of reasons. I want to give you all a heads up. You'll be the first to hear this unless you follow me on Twitter. If not, my uh, handle is kharrods on Twitter. I'm also, by the way, on Gitter. Um, and my handle there is Kip Heridge. Uh, come and follow me on both of them if you don't already, uh, and I always love uh, your feedback. And uh, I, mean, I, I pretty much reply to pretty much everybody that hits me up, so uh, Twitter's uh, Twitter's been a fun tool for a long time, a great way to communicate with people. But today on Twitter, it actually started yesterday, part of an con- con- ongoing conversation around coronavirus, and um, you know, I, one of my favorite things to do, one of my favorite uses of Twitter is to connect with people that work in different industries, that are experts in different industries than I am. That's how we learn. Twitter is a great, it's the best learning, honestly, it's the best learning uh, vehicle that I've, I've come across probably my entire life. I learned so much from it, make so many good, so many good relationships, you know, uh, that, uh, that I've built over the years with Twitter. And, um, uh, it's just it's a great it's it's a great platform. Of course, it's got its downsides. They ban everybody if you're conservative. I'll be I'll, I'll be kicked off Twitter at some point, without question. Uh, but that's why I'm on Gitter, and of course I'll be on Trump's new platform, uh, Truth Social, when that opens up as well. I'm hoping they buy Gitter. I would love for Trump Media to buy Gitter. I think that would be a great move. I get them right online real quick. But um, anyway, long story short, I'm on Twitter. Get into a debate yesterday. Uh, over a, a doctor by the name of Dr. Peter Hotes, who runs Baylor College of Medicines. Uh, I mean, he's like their top guy when it comes to the coronavirus stuff, right? You've probably seen him on TV a lot. Uh, and he's one of my least favorite people. Uh, I would say it goes Fauci. You, know, you got Gates. You, know, you got the Imperial College, of course, out of, out of London. All the people that have been incredibly wrong about everything around coronavirus, right? The total number of deaths, the, the fact that we should all lock down, all the things that they recommended, don't wear a mask, wear a mask. You know, again, they've gone back and forth. They hated the vaccine at first when Trump came out with it. Now, of course, they love it. You know, it's just uh, the, it's the hypocrisy and it's the uh, flip-flopping that really drives you crazy because there seems to be no accountability. And that's been the case with Dr. Hotez as well. But that's not the purpose of what I'm bringing this up. Because of, uh, of my Twitter debate, Okay, uh, by the way, they, they sick the um, one of the things the left does by the left, I mean the, the permanent ruling class, that's what we're talking about here. The, the state, right? The permanent ruling class, they sick their their trolls on you and uh, to drown out your message and to make it look like you know you're being ratioed when it's really every one of these people have you know 50 to a 100, 200 followers, Etc. So you just have to deal with a bunch of garbage, and you can always tell uh, that they're 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 just paid. They're, they're paid bots, is what they are. Uh, but every now and then you get somebody, a real person that you can actually have a dialogue with, and that happened last night. Uh, first, it was the doctor that blocked me within about thirty minutes. That's pretty common around coronavirus because I ask you know the questions, the really tough questions that I ask. You know, as an investment guy, the questions that I ask have most to do with why are we forcing. Why, what, what's the rush here for kids, right? What's the rush for these kids, and why aren't you answering questions that we all have around coronavirus? You died with, died from. There's a massively massive difference between the two. You know, they love to say, I think in the U.S., whatever the the, the official number is, let's call it seven hundred fifty thousand people have died. That's that's with coronavirus. We all know this. They know we know this, right? This is kind of uh, the whole. The whole bit of uh, communism and uh, the way they demoralize you uh, because they just lie right to your faces and they just do it because they want to drive you batshit crazy demoralize you It's the number one strategy for communists when they're trying to take over society but they are the massive minority we are the massive majority so you just have to know these truths right and so that gives me the strength to know that i'm dealing with bots and i'm dealing with people that are paid to do this because the, the other side of this conversation is vapid, it's empty, and they don't have facts to back up their case, right? So I get I get blocked by doctors all the time for asking basic questions like, what's the rush for kids? We've had less than 500 kids that have died with coronavirus in the US. Less than 500. Two th- about, again, approximately, I, I'm not saying exactly here, about 2,000 kids in the same time frame, we'll call it, you know, 19, 20 months, whatever it is, about 2,000 kids have died from drowning. So, in other words, the risk of a kid dying from coronavirus is statistically near non-existent. It's that tiny. It barely registers. And remember, even of those 500 kids under 18 that have died with coronavirus, they all were sick. I mean, uh, frankly, we don't know of anybody that really, any kid that really died from coronavirus. We just don't know of one. Maybe, Maybe they're out there. I'm sure there are some. Okay, we'll we'll go ahead and say that there are. But the vast, vast, vast majority of under 18 that have died with coronavirus had multiple comorbidities. They were really sick kids. And uh, they they died with coronavirus in their bloodstream, which is what they've done and how they've uh, manipulated these figures all along. So we all know this, right? this 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 is known. This is just broadly known by anyone that spent any amount of time looking into this. And that's typically where these doctors and, and medical experts online – I should say big pharma executives right, or, again, permanent ruling class. Is there really a difference? When you ask them if uh, – these, these, these medical experts and big pharma state uh, capitalists, when you ask them the question, okay, <clears throat> so far, Johnson Johnson, Moderna, Pfizer have booked a quarter of a trillion dollars in profits. Quarter of a trillion dollars. That may, you know what, I want to be right about this. That may be revenue, Uh, but it's in a year, right? It doesn't, it's a lot of money. Quarter of a trillion dollars, okay? I think that's profits. I'll double check that. A lot of money is way. And I I ask these doctors, don't you understand that, that there are those of us out here, meaning 100 million people plus, that see this as a conflict of interest, And then that's when they block you. They know that they just – they just can't give an answer because there is no answer, obviously. And the revolving door between the FDA, the CDC, and the government, you know, the the head of the FDA was head of Pfizer or board of Pfizer. And it's all – same thing with Johnson Johnson, Moderna. All three of these, right, that run these – the FDA, the last three FDA heads of the FDA prior to coming to the FDA worked for Big Pharma. Uh, the exact big pharma companies that are producing the vaccines. So the conflicts of interest are obviously massive. These these companies and the individuals are just making bank. We all know this again. It's frustrating to even have to say this again because we all know it. There should be investigations over this already. There should be charges over this already. If it was reversed, it, if this was something that was happening, honestly, to a patriot, right – Uh, somebody that was trying to do good for the country, but there there was a conflict of interest, they'd be under some serious investigations. And, of course, it's not happening here. So, again, for those of us that believe that this has been a pandemic from Jump Street, I am in that group. The signs have been crystal clear from day one. That is not debatable. And I think, frankly, if you disagree with that, you're a little – you're borderline foolish if not foolhardy and stupid. Let's just be honest about it. Because the signs are just too prevalent. They're right there in your face. Okay. Long story short, finally last night, this other doctor pops up in my Hotest feed uh, on Twitter. It's Professor and Doctor Gavin Yamey. He is a, uh, he's at Duke University. He's a big shot there. Director for the Center for Policy Impact in Global Health. Director of the Center. This guy's, this guy's a, a hitter in the space. And he and I started having a dialogue. It started a little chippy, right? But then we started actually getting somewhere. We had an, a, a dialogue on Twitter. I know it's, it, it sounds, seems impossible, but it happened. So Dr. Yamey, again, Dr. Gavin Yamey, Duke University, then said, you know what, Kip? Why don't we, you and I have a call? It, it, we'd probably been in front like, Fuck, this is great. I go, doctor. We we do a. I do a podcast every day. You know, my son. I do a podcast every day. VR Investing podcast. Come and join me. It would benefit so many people, and we have an honest conversation. And he replied back and said, "As long as you're not a COVID denier, and you're not going to attack me, saying that I'm making all this money from the industry from from vaccine companies, which he says he's not, and I I fully take him at his word, uh, then we'll, we'll do it. So we are going to have a. One hour, to, uh, I, I say one hour. We haven't agreed on the official terms yet, but it's going to be next week, shooting for Wednesday or Thursday, depending on his schedule. Uh, podcast. We'll do, it, uh, we'll do it here. You'll get it, of course, uh, first for all our very members who will post it online, et cetera. And I'm really looking forward to this because um, this is what we need. This is what this country needs. Just like a, like a Joe Rogan having an honest conversation, right? Uh, like he had Sanjay Gupta on. He's he's had uh, Alex Berenson on. Just having an honest conversation, but this time with an in-the-system doctor that is a vaccine expert, a true vaccine expert. And that's what he wants to talk about. Of course, my questions, he already knows this, are around the things that I've already talked about here, right? Why the rush? The biggie for me now is why the rush to vaccinate kids? What What is this rush? I don't think there's a good answer to this. We need years of clinical trials just to make sure that we're not going to destroy these kids' lives or kill a bunch of them, right? I mean, this is, again, it's insanity that we have to even make this point. But I very much look forward to uh, to interviewing Dr. yami It'll be a great conversation. Um, you know what? Uh, it, it, uh, it's, I, 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 I'm super stoked, to tell you the truth. And I think this is the kind of thing we need a whole lot more of in the U.S. and globally. And uh, we'll look forward to it. We'll announce it here so you know exactly what it's going to be. It'll be recorded. We'll put it out the, you know, the second it's done uh, for you to listen to. Um, so I'm looking forward to that next week. And I uh, wanted, wanted to announce it here to everybody first. And now let's talk about the markets today. Because, folks, this is interesting. We are at extreme overbought on steroids across the board. Okay? Across the board. And all of our broad market indexes. That's, of course, the big the big three. Right, SP500, Dow Jones, and NASDAQ. And now the Russell 2000 has joined as well. And uh, without getting into uh, too much into the weeds, what that means is when our VRA investing system goes to extreme overbought on each of our most important momentum oscillators that we track, when it's extreme overbought on all of them, it's extreme overbought on steroids. And for us, that is a sell signal. Now, it doesn't mean we sell everything. We're not going to cash, but we're, we're, we're taking profits now. Right? We did that today in the semiconductors. And uh, we're going to you know, continue to do it in the positions that make sense. But again, you know, it's not that we hate this market. It's not that we're saying the market's got to go a lot lower. Uh, but this is our discipline, right? We like to buy at extreme oversold or as heavily as oversold as possible on our favorite groups based on fundamentals and technicals. And then we just sell them when they have the move that we expect. So just to give you an idea, and again, this is not, this, this is not meant to be. It's going to sound like it. It's not meant to be bragging. Uh, but we've made 100% gains. Uh, in about six months in the semiconductors in two trades. And um, that's the way we use the very investing system with our ETF trades. Um, and that's, that's our approach there. We lose, use leverage ETFs, that's where the juice comes from, of course. And uh, so we, again, we're just this market is extremely overbought. I, I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to say that or to know that, but it is. And our discipline says we have to sell some positions, so we are. Uh, but again, we like this market very much here, long term. Uh, although it's getting frothy. Let's, it's not just the technicals. The fear and greed index, Tyler covered this yesterday, of course. Is, the only fear and greed index is 82. That's extreme greed. A month ago, it was, what, twenty low 20s? Extreme fear. It's a big swing in a short period of time. It's a very seasonally bullish time. How seasonally bullish is this? Tyler covered this yesterday, but I think this is so good and so important that it deserves to be talked about on a couple of podcasts. Maybe Tyler might even cover it again tomorrow. I'm going to encourage him to. We talk about seasonality here a lot. Seasonality works. You know, it reminds me of people that say you can't time the market. If you hear someone say you can't time the market, you should not work with that person because you can absolutely time the market. Here's the proof of that. Since 1945, right, going back a long time now, a $10,000 investment in the S&P 500 just in SPY itself, okay, SPY, uh, or, you know, the index itself. A $10,000 investment from November through April, just that time frame, okay, would be worth $4 million today. $10,000 turned into $4 million, but only if you invested from November to April. This is the most bullish time frame of the year. This is the power of seasonality. This is the proof that timing the market works. Here's the real proof. If, conversely, you had only invested that $10,000 from May to October, right? Sell may go away. If you'd only invested at 10000 by the way, people say sell may didn't go away that is not a thing. Listen to this. Boy, how wrong are they? At the same time, since 1945, if you'd invested $10,000 from May to October, that would be worth $117,000. So you're talking about $4 million versus $117,000. Folks, that's powerful. <laughs> Market timing works. Seasonality is a thing. So uh, let's all remember that. You know this is this is the time to be in the market. And by the way, the best this is the the best sector to be in right now, is small caps. Again, seasonality wise, this is their time to shine, and uh, we are we remain very long in this group. We also, by the way, I'll just mention this because I wrote it up this morning. The miners have just traded like horseshit. They just have been it's been terrible. Uh, gold gold and silver have you know, flatlined. They've gone down below two hundred days. They've not been destroyed. The miners have been the big disappointment here because. For example, you know, GDX uh, is down uh, $10 a share from its highs. Uh, what is that, 27% down from its highs of the year? And here you have, uh, you know, all this inflation happening. It's been such a disappointment. But we talk about it a lot in this space. I'm not going to get back into one of the reasons why today, except that I like this group a lot here. Seasonality-wise, it's great. There is no, There is no sector, period, that's cheaper to the market and cheaper to historical valuations for their for their trading, for their sector, than this group is. This, these companies have very little debt, a lot of cash on hand. I really believe you're going to see a wave of mergers and acquisitions take place here. Seasonality, this is the time to own this group. I believe it's through mid-February. And so uh, we are, we're along this group. It's been extremely disappointing. Uh, but uh, we, I think that 's about to turn here, but it was this point today, golds up one percent, GDX was down a half percent that just that shouldn't be happening, especially if GDX opened up so so nicely today. Um, so anyway, that 's just what we updated people on today, so I thought i 'd cover it here just for a minute. Uh, what else today? Um, yeah, so I want to cover this briefly as well so JPAL. The money printing rock star and the head cheese of our financial masters, of the universe himself, really did a good job yesterday. He did. He did a good job. You know, we uh, we beat up on him from time to time, well, fairly often. He's an easy target because his pressers are so bad, right? The markets always get hit. Well, it didn't happen yesterday. The market actually went up again. Tyler covered this yesterday. That's rare when that happens. But we're we're glad he seemed like a nice enough guy. Glad glad it happened. Um, I, <laughs> but he did a good job. But the point I'm trying to make here is that. And we've said this a while, and so we are, we're sticking to it. The 10-year today was down 3.5% on a yield basis. So the 10-year dropped to 1.52%. Why would yields be dropping when they're about to start tapering their quantitative easing? Matter of fact, it's going to start here, what, a week or two, right? Why would that be happening, you think? Well, maybe it's because we have a slowing economy. Not a slow economy. Not an economy that's in trouble. We're in the third term of Barack Obama's we're in. It's slow growth. When you had this much quantitative easing and fiscal stimulus where we have 10 trillion combined now in the US alone, 34 trillion globally, what that does is it forces the private sector out of the picture. and when the government takes over things, you just have much slower growth. This is not Kip Harridge, Mr. Conservative Trump guy making this up. This is reality, right? We've seen this time and again, especially now in the age of QE. Look at Japan. Exactly the same thing. No growth, no growth, no growth. Why? They've had QE since 2001. Okay? Japan. Bank of Japan. Now, the, well, it had been for a while. It's not like I'm announcing something's never been announced before. Largest holder of both equity and debt in Japan is the Bank of Japan. The Fed's very jealous of this, folks. You think I'm making this up or I'm trying to be funny. The Fed is jealous of this. Again, these are our new masters of the universe. If you read Bonfire of the Vanities, you know the reference. They cannot believe that the Bank of Japan is beating them. They have to play catch-up. That is happening. QE infinity. QE here to stay. This tapering, as the market is telling you, that's why bond yields are dropping. Because they know we're going to have more QE. We're going to have QE for forever. It's just getting started. They're just getting warmed up. They're in the bullpen now. I think again. This is a, just a, a guesstimate. I think we'll get down to about we're at 120 billion a month in QE now. I think we we'll get down to about 80 billion a month in QE, and then the markets start getting hit, and then the, it'll be like the taper tantrum of 2014, and they have to cancel it, and 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 it won't be long after that till they got to restart QE again, folks. It's just going to go on for forever, and that that is our financial. It's our financial. It's our Frankenstein. Financial engineering is just here to stay. It just is. And uh, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I like it. I don't. But it's reality, and the markets go up because of it. And they'll continue, in our view, to go up because of it. This is one of the big reasons. We wrote the book The Big Bribe. This is part of the melt-up into 2027 where we think the Dow Jones is going to 100000 And again, that's – what is that? I don't know. Uh, three, that's not quite three times from here, right? But the real money, of course, can be made if you know where to be. And we think we do. Come and join us. How about that for a teaser? Come and join us at VRAinsider.com. Again, VRAinsider.com. Uh, and we'll tell you how we do it. We'll show you how we do it. We, we don't keep any secrets. We pretty much tell everything. We keep a few things in the back drawer that we don't uh, announce to people as far as the VRA system goes. But pretty much all, pretty much all, it, it we, get that. we keep some stuff proprietary uh, because why not, right? It's ours. Um, what else here? So, you know, again, that's how we see the bond market. That's how we see growth. And it's how we stock market, again, the the economy is not the stock market. As bad as Biden is as a president, again, Bill Clinton wasn't really liked either. 28% a year returns for Bill Clinton in his eight years. Number one president at all time, 28% per year. Of course, that was the dot-com era right there, right? Um, All right, uh, let's take a look under the hood. Again, uh, uh, NASDAQ up 128 SP up 19. Dow Jones down 33. Big comeback, though. It was down, down about 150 with just about 45 minutes left. So nice comeback there. Uh, R2K rose 2,000 flat on the day. That's been our leader. And we again, we like that group very much. And our under-the-hood look at the uh, internals. Again, these are not good. These are not good internals. They've not been good. Uh, they've been fair. They've been fair. They've been better than they were for that six-month stretch, but they are not good. Uh, and we saw it again today. You really shouldn't have a day where the NASDAQ is up 128, uh, but you have negative uh, advanced decline by about about 600 uh, issues, okay? Nothing huge, but why is it negative, right? Again, we've had a big move, Extreme robust, I, I think that's the answer. Volume, slightly positive for NASDAQ, decent comeback there. Uh, NYSE, uh, again, we'll call the markets flat today between Dow Jones and S p and 500, but uh, NYSE was, was, was negative across the board. Uh, we're talking about advanced decline, and volume was almost 2 to 1 negative for NYSE. Again, that's not good. Uh, but I, I, you got to now. this is the biggie. New 52-week highs and lows. My goodness. 621 stocks hit new 52-week highs. to so just 71 hitting new 52-week lows. Tyler covers this a lot. This is a lagger. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a lagging kind of a, a, of a, of a, of a, of a tool to use. Uh, you, you typically see these big readings like this near tops. And then it, when we have a reversal, they it takes a while. It's like turning a big old tanker. You know, it takes a while to catch up. But so these are great readings today. Six twenty one to seventy one. Been a while since we had that. A uh, lot of companies now breaking out. Uh, this 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 market is broadening, and that is con- t- continuing to be a v- big positive. NYC, advanced, decline, all time high yesterday. I didn't check it today, but Tyler's all over this stuff. Um, in our uh, sector-wise today, of our 11 SP500 sectors, we had, what is this, uh, five finished, uh, six finished higher, five finished lower, led to the upside by technology. Uh, again, up 1.5%, tech leading, semis going, that's, that's, that's what you want to see. This is, uh, again, that's very bullish. Consumer discretionary up 1.5% to the downside. Financials down 1.3%. Again, yields down. Uh, Financials, I just have never liked them. Um, When's the last time you went to a bank? Exactly, right? A lot of real estate there not being used. I think that's a liability. They're boring to me. Real estate down 1%. And that's about it, really. Um, uh, There was one more thing I wanted to... Don't remember what it was. Okay, let's move on here. Um, and our uh, commodity watch today, again, gold. Talked about a minute ago. Nice day today. Up $29, announced up over 1% at 17 dollars uh, Again, it's been Comoville here. 1800 in, in that area now for, it seems like, for forever. Silver today, up a nice $0.61, cents announced at twenty three sixty four eighty four. 84 Copper unchanged, oil down a forty eight. This is what I to talk about. Oil is now five, down over $5 a barrel, $5 a barrel from its highs uh, of what, last week? $79.38. And now this is getting back into, for us, this is getting back into buy territory for us, specifically energy stocks. We like this setup. They, they were extremely robot. They pull back now. This is what we like to buy. This is a leading group, and we think oil's going a heck of a lot higher. Finally, Bitcoin down $1,400 right now at 61 61,335. Folks, as always, appreciate you joining us. We'll look forward to hearing you back here again tomorrow to the close. Have a great night, everybody. We'll see you here tomorrow.